0: So uh, let's pray together, guys. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity uh, just to hang out with these guys and share and talk. And as we look to your word, uh, God, let us look at the idea of as we move beyond Christmas and this season of joy. Uh, let us ask and, and understand how do we keep joy alive in our lives? How do we how do we share the joy with others, but also keep it alive in our lives? In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. You know we're back to Luke chapter two. We've been in Luke chapter two all of uh, uh, all of this month as we've been looking at this good news and great joy. And we, uh, I really want to just address with you today, uh, how do we keep the joy alive in our lives? How do we carry it on beyond Christmas, into the new year? And um, I, I ran across this quote um, that as we think about this Christmas season, here was a quote, uh, it was by Terry Pratchett, it said, uh, light thinks it travels faster than anything, but it's wrong. No matter how fast light travels, it finds darkness has already gotten there first. You know, there is a truth to that, right? Regardless of how fast light travels, here's how we know that darkness must be faster because wherever light shows up, darkness has already been there first. And a lot of times in our lives, we, uh, as we travel and journey through life, wherever we show up and as we jo- show up into the new year or new uh, month or new season, whatever it is, darkness can always be found. Darkness can always be there. For you and I, uh, as we journey through this Christmas season, although this is a Christmas season, I want to be honest with you, uh, certainly for me and us as a staff, and probably you as a what you as well. There's just been a weightiness to this Christmas, hadn't there? It's been very different, and, and we all look forward uh, to uh, the Christmas Eve and the Christmas Day, and for really to be able to look around, hopefully at our families, and and hopefully in the places we normally are at, in the spaces we are normally uh, in, as we celebrate those normal Christmas traditions. But here's what we all know: um, January is coming, right? And a lot of times in January, they, uh, I remember reading an article a couple of years ago that they talked about typically about the third week of January. There is within the country, within all of our people, almost a dip of depression or a dip of anxiety. Can anybody guess why it's about that third week of January? Credit card statements, that's exactly it. Credit card statements start showing up about that third week of January and all the joy of Christmas is gone, right? And so what I want to talk to you today is how can we keep Joy alive. How can we keep joy alive? If we think about good news, great joy. How can we make sure as we move through the new year, into January, into February, into March, into April, uh, whether the pandemic is uh, uh, is in its fourth wave or fifth wave, whether the vaccines work as well as we think they are, and whether they don't, whether the economy continues to roar back like we hope it will be or it doesn't, whether the stock market stays at record highs or it doesn't. How do we, as God's children, keep the joy alive? And so I want to to address that. And we're going to look in Luke chapter 2 as we pick it up here in a few seconds. And I'm just going to say, here are a couple of ideas. And the beauty of moving beyond where we were, picking it up in about um, verse 22, Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story is over. Okay? We started off Luke chapter 2. There was a census taken, and Mary and Joseph travel uh, down to Bethlehem. And then all of a sudden, the shepherds, she has the baby, and the shepherds show up. The shepherds are out in the dark night uh, uh, watching over their sheep. And the angels show up in that dark night sky and says, Hey, guys, right down in Bethlehem, uh, there is a baby that has been born. You'll go find this baby. Uh, It'll be wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And so they go, and they find, and they share, and everybody celebrates. And Mary ponders. And Mary rejoices and it says the shepherds went back. Everybody say went back. Shepherds went back. What does that mean? They went back to work, right? They went back out in the fields. They couldn't stay there forever. They couldn't linger there forever. They went back joyfully praising God. Now, how do you keep the joy alive? Because some of you might be on vacation, some of you might be on retirement, some of you might be here, some of you online, Uh, this might be a great season. There is going to come a moment real soon, just in the next couple of days, if it hadn't already happened, depending on uh, when you hold your Christmas, that all the presents are going to be opened, all the wrapping paper is going to be thrown away. We're all gonna be heavier than we were before we started eating all the snacks and the cookies and the fudge and the pie, pie. right? And and then the question is how at that moment do we keep joy alive? And I love when we get to verse 22 and following, there are some great examples. If you read verse 22 all the way down, we're gonna be introduced to a guy named Simeon, a gal named Anna, And we're going to see Mary and Joseph as well. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm more going to spend time on on Simeon today. But let me tell you what you're going to see. If you and I want to keep joy alive beyond Christmas, we have to be faithful. We have to be faithful. If we just show up thinking Christmas is going to linger forever, it's not going to happen. But we're gonna look at a guy named Simeon who has just been faithful to God, serving to God, and he was a man's man. And he kept his joy alive, expectantly. We're gonna see Anna. It's gonna tell us a little bit about Anna. We're gonna find out that Anna was a widow and had been a widow for a long time, but she kept being faithful. We'll see Mary and Joseph beyond just the beauty of the Christmas story, what happens? It says when the days were completed, they took their child to church, to the temple, to be dedicated. And so guys, the only way we can keep joy alive in January, in February, in March, in April, in May, and all the way through the summer, is if we stay faithful. So how do we keep the Christmas joy alive? Let me give you a thought. Number one is this. Uh, Joy, if we're going to keep joy alive, you might want to write this down. It requires some patience and some persistence. It requires some patience and some persistence. It requires some perseverance. Now notice what it says. Jump down to verse 25, Justin. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord or the Messiah. Now, as we think about this man, Simeon, let's just stop right there. It requires some patience and persistence. This guy, Simeon, had just been faithful to show up every day, believing god believing the promise of god and doing what he was called to do now if you jump back to verse 25 notice was there was a man everybody say a man guys i'm going to encourage you real men show up to church real men stay faithful real men lead their family even in difficult seasons and in difficult time and i love this and it's marked out and luke takes note of it there was a man Guys, if we are going to keep joy alive in our family, let me tell you what, you better be a man. You better be a man of faith. You better be a man of action. You better be a man that says, listen, we're going to do the right thing regardless. Even sometimes when it's painful. Even sometimes when it hurts. I love that idea. Now, there was a man. Now, that's present tense. There was a man spiritually speaking, I know we're all men here, we're men online, we're men in here, Uh, there might be a time in your life, or you might know someone in your life, that you said, you know, when I look at him, there was a man of God. That guy used to be a man of God. Anybody looked around ever and said, you know, I ran across someone, I haven't seen them in church for 20 weeks, 20 months, 20 years. Anybody know anybody that goes, man, I remember when we were in college, he was the faithful one and I never showed up at church. Anybody have any friends like that? See, I was that guy. Scott was the one in church. I was not in church, right? But there was a man. Now, that's present, guys. Are you that man? Are you the man that shows up Every day, every moment, every time, for your family, for God, for the church, to serve, to be who God wants you to be. If you're going to keep joy alive, you don't need to be the man that past tense. You need to be the man present tense. And I love the fact that Luke points out, there was a man. Guys, if you want to keep joy alive, you need to say, I am that man. I am going to be that man. I'm going to be that man that's there. I'm going to be that man that shows up. Now, notice the man was there for other people. It doesn't say he showed up to see what he could get. Notice what it says. says, Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. All right? As you think about that righteous, he wasn't self-righteous. He was righteous. How many of you know there's a difference? See, being righteous means I'm truly right before God. First of all, for salvation. The whole point of christmas is that god looked down on broken sinful men along with the world and he sent his son jesus christ to die on the cross for the sins of the world that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life and this says he was righteous First of all, in salvation, but also in his actions. What does it mean? Righteous in actions mean when, when I speak to you, I'm telling you the truth. When I say you can count on me, you can count on me. When I, when I, when I offered a sacrifice for you or to give you something, I'm willing to follow through. He was righteous, he wasn't self-righteous. See, righteous means that be I'm willing to be judged by what I say and by what I do and how I live and how I act today. Now we can all look back in our past and remember that we needed a savior, right? We can all look back in our past and say, I am so grateful to God and for God's amazing grace. But today, as best I can, I want to be a man that walks in righteousness. Now, let me tell you what, none of us have any reason to be self-righteous. Do we understand that? Because there are times that all of us should look at someone and say, if they only knew. You ever had someone walk up to you and say, man, you're just awesome. And you think, I'm about 38% of that, awesomely, right? But there are times because people just see a little bit of us, right? And if we think we are all that in a bag of chips, we're not righteous, we're self-righteous. A lot of times we can look down our nose at other people. We can see someone who walks into church acting like we did a decade ago or two decades ago. And I love this about Simeon. It doesn't say he was a self-righteous man. He wasn't a Pharisee. He wasn't sneering down at other people. Instead, he was just faithfully fulfilling what God has called him to be. So first of all, guys, we've got to be a man that is present and we've got to be a man that is righteous. Now notice what it says. It says he was a man, Simeon, who was righteous and he was devout. What does it mean that he was devout? That he was using his gifts. He was saying, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? And it was devout. He showed up in the present in righteousness, but he also didn't say someone needs to serve me. He said, instead, I'm going to serve someone else. And so I love that idea of being devout. means using your gifts, serving in a role, standing in the gap. Guys, are you using your gift to serve God each and every week, each and every Sunday? Some of you have some amazing gifts. Some of you have gifts you can administrate, you can serve. Some of you have gifts uh, for opening doors, spiritual gift. I don't know if that's actually a spiritual gift. I got a spiritual gift of door opening or something like that. We all have gifts. You have talents. You have abilities are we willing to faithfully use our gifts? Are you using those gifts to serve in a role? Some of you are teachers, some of you are administrators. And then notice, are we willing to stand in the gap for someone else? I love what Albert Einstein said, you know that great preacher of yesterday, yesterday, he says, a life directed chiefly toward the fulfillment of personal desires will sooner or later always lead to bitter disappointment. That was Albert Einstein, incredible man, genius. But what he was acknowledging, he goes, listen, if I was only doing this for myself, my life would be filled with bitterness and disappointment. Because that's where Simeon was. He realized that when he served, he was using his gifts, he was standing in the gap, he was in his role, serving other people. If all we want is people to serve us, if our only desire is for people to serve us, then we need to understand that our life is going to be filled with a bitter disappointment. But if we're the kind of man that is present, that shows up, that is righteous, not self-righteous, That is devout serving others loving others caring more about others that means our wives our kids our families our communities our church those we go into those we are in life group with those we minister to those we go to school with man that kind of man is going to be able to keep joy alive now jump down let's continue to read and uh, as we think about it, he says he was what he says it had been revealed to him by the holy spirit that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. It also means that we're patient. He was waiting for God to do something. Guys, there is a reality in our life that even if we are a man that is present, that we are a man who is righteous and not self-righteous, we are a man who stands in the gap and serves in the role and using our gifts for other, there are still times that we have to wait on God. I don't know if there's something you've been praying for or uh, you've been longing for for years. You've just been asking God to step in the gap for you. And you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed. And all of a sudden, God hadn't shown up and given it to you yet. I want to encourage you to be like Simeon, keep waiting. God had promised him that, listen, you do your job. And you're going to stick around and you're going to see the Lord's Messiah. He had served, he'd been present, he was righteous, not self-righteous. He had served, he was present, he was righteous, not self-righteous. And finally, he got to see it. You know, when you and I pray, and this is an original to me, but uh, when you and I pray together and we pray to God, you know, sometimes God just flat out says no. If it's a selfish prayer, sometimes God will say no. Sometimes God, I prayed and felt like God said yes immediately, and sometimes God says wait, You might be listening to this. You might be watching this online. You might be here. That You've been longing and praying for something. Maybe it's a prodigal to come home or your health to improve or the finances to turn. And You've been praying and waiting and praying and waiting. I want to encourage you to keep waiting. Be the man that is present in God's house. Be the man that is devout using your gift. Be the man that is righteous, not self-righteous. And then just simply trust God. That's exactly what it is. It says you waited on God. But notice there's another key phrase. He says, the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit was on him. You know, guys, that's so important for us as men because it's so easy for us to let the, let the flesh control us. What did the apostle Paul say in Ephesians chapter 5? He says, Be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. But before that, he says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled or controlled by the Spirit. Why does he use that analogy? It it doesn't matter how much you've had to drink. The more you had to drink, the more it controls how you talk, how you walk, how you drive, how you do a lot of things, right? The more we are led by the Spirit, the more it will change how we walk, how we talk, how we drive. Uh, uh, We all need that from time to time, right? And so it says the Spirit of God was on him. That means that there were times that uh, he could have gone home and said, Lord, you promised me a long time ago that if I just kept showing up, you would show up. And here I've been there day after day, week after week, months after months, God, for you and nothing. And guess what? If that's his attitude, if that's your attitude, if that's my attitude, that's being controlled by this flesh. But it says the spirit of God was upon him. Man, I want to encourage us, God. Guys, when, when we journey from this place, we just want to say, God, I want to be that man. I want to be that faithful man. I want to serve where you want me to be. And then, God, I want your spirit to be upon me. God, when I walk into a place, and sometimes it's our homes, or sometimes it's in the office, man, and every time I walk in, you just know in advance that there's someone going to get under your skin. Anybody ever have an office like that? Boy, I sure do. But here's the reality. We want to be the kind of men that are controlled by the Spirit. The man, when we walk into a situation, we're like, God, give me the words to say, or God, please seal my lips. How many of you know sometimes that's a work of the Spirit? Just not let me think through my mouth. Does everybody in here understand what I think? Did I just think, did I just think that right through my mouth? Sometimes my greatest mistakes with Gina or with others have been when I thought right through my mouth. They say, what do you think about it? Sometimes the best thing when someone says, hey, what do you think? is saying, you don't really want to know. Right? That sometimes is the Spirit of God moving in our lives going, don't say it. But I love this, man. Guys, notice he was a man. He was a man that was righteous and not self-righteous. He was a man that was devout. He showed up every day. He was waiting on God patiently because God had promised into him and he was led by the Spirit. Guys, if we want to keep the joy alive beyond Christmas, that's it. Come, Janu- come January... Be the man. Be the man that shows up. Be the man that's controlled by the Spirit. Be the man that is in your role, in your place, serving other people, not expecting other people to serve you. And we will see the joy of Christmas stay alive in our lives. But notice, there's not just a man. There's also a woman. Notice, look at this. As we jump down to verse 36, go down to verse 36 and verse 37. And it says, there was a prophet, and her name was Anna. She was the daughter of Peniel. And of the tribe of Asher, listen to this. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after their marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. So here you have this man, Simeon, who has been faithful and devout and present. And here you have this woman. And notice what it says about her. First of all, she was very old. Everybody say very old. You say, how old was she? It, it's even debated depending on, if you have the RSV, I think they list her at 105 years old. Now here's why, because they try to do the math. Notice it says she was uh, lived, with her, lived with her husband uh, for seven years and then 84 years. The RSV, looking in the original language, there, there's some debate. Some people think that she's more like 105. She was 14 when she got married, 84 years, seven years since she was married, all of those kind of things, right? So it doesn't matter how old she was, just trust me, guys. She was old, all right? This was an old woman. But notice what happened. Even though she was a widow, she could have been bitter at God, but instead she kept serving God. Guys, there are things in all of our lives that have happened that could cause us to be bitter at God or the church or someone else. A Couple of weeks ago, after I would preached, I met a lady right over there, right over there. And she walked up and she says, you know, I've been coming here a couple of weeks and um, she goes, "I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get back into it. I go, what's up? She goes, well, I was just really, really hurt by some folks in my church a couple of years ago. Wasn't this church, it was a different church. And there are a lot of times that we can be bitter and we can blame the church and we can blame God and we can blame other people and we can blame this person. Blame. There are always things, guys, that we can be bitter about. She can be bitter. Lord, I've served you, I've loved you, I've cared about you and here I am, a widow And I show up every day. And so notice what it says. There's this prophet named Anna. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after their marriage. And then was a widow until she was 84 and she had never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. What do we see about Anna? She was a woman who showed up, she fasted and prayed, she was devoted, she worshiped God, Listen to this night and day. That doesn't mean she was in the worship center worshiping night and day, 24 hours a day. What it means is that she showed up and when it was time to worship with God's people, she worshiped, but also when she was at the house, she worshiped God night and day. Guys, we need to develop that same kind of daily pattern and daily habit in our lives that we would worship God, not just on Sunday mornings, but night and day. If you want to transform the way you feel about the people you encounter in God's house on Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever you come, you want to transform the way you feel, the way you sing, the way you worship? You want to do that? Then, Then don't make Sunday the only day we worship. Worship God and pray to God and read God's Word, not only Sunday, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And guess what? We've kept the momentum alive. That when we walk back into God's house, then we can pray and then we can sing. So thought number one is we think about this Anna and we think about Simeon. There was a man, there was a woman. They were both devoted. They were both faithful. They stood in the gap. They were there. They saw the joy of the Lord. Now, as we jump down, notice this. First of all, joy, if you're going to keep joy alive, joy's got to be patient. Sometimes God just makes us wait. But here's the second thing. Let your joy sing a little. Let your joy sing a little. Now, now some of you guys, I've heard y'all sing. We'll take a solid hum, okay? Just give us a hum. I don't know, but I cannot sing. I cannot carry a tent. I, I I cannot sing at all. But if you jump down, and we're going to be at verse twenty-seven. Notice what it says. It says, "Moved by the Spirit." Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, uh, to do what they do for him, the custom of the law required. Notice what it says, verse 28. We're showing back up where Simeon. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying. So notice Simeon who had been faithful to God moment after moment, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, showed up in his spot, waiting on God to fulfill him. All of a sudden, God is showing up with all the blessings, not just for Israel, but for the world. And Simeon's there to see it happen. Guys, be there when God moves. Be there when God moves. Don't say, God, if you'll move, then I'll do this. No, you show up where God wants you to show up. Then when God moves, you're a part of the action. I even love the illustration, the idea that Simeon showed up day after day after day after day after day after day after day. day, And God didn't just show up around him. God showed up in his hands. Now think about this. Notice what it says. Simeon took the child into his hands and began to praise God. That's why I say, sing a little, right? and some of you and some of us just need to give a solid hum we need to praise God we need to praise God and this is what Simeon Simeon found, now notice what he says verse 29 he says sovereign Lord, that really means master and what Simeon is saying is God you are God and I am not and that's part of being righteous and not self-righteous is those two words, those two words together in the original language they're not used very often But Luke uses them again a little later. They really speak to the fact that God, you are God, you are sovereign, you are over all, and you are Lord, and I am not. Guys, the quicker we get that in our thought process and in our mindset, the better off we're going to be. Now, I want you to know, as I've journeyed through life, I don't know about you, but... uh, I've really questioned whether God knew what he was doing or not. Am I the only guy that's ever questioned whether God knew what he was doing? Now, does that scare you that your pastor does? I mean, I've looked around from time to time and said, God, why did you let that happen? I can tell you a number of times, just as the pastor of this church. I can tell you just in a couple of years, right? Man, a couple of years ago, we go through this whole thing. We knew God led us to build a chapel and and we went through this whole process and and God's people stepped up faithfully. We sacrificed and we built the chapel and we did all of that and we moved in and we celebrated and we dedicated and we did all of that stuff. And then there was this hell storm. This hell storm and and this hell storm that, that showed up. And I want you to know, your pastor... Walked around for a long time and thought, God, I'm not sure you know what you're doing. But there is a reality in our lives, in your life, man, that you can be faithful. You can serve God in a way. You can build your family. You can build your house. You can build everything in your life. And all of a sudden, a hell storm shows up in your life, right? It might be in your finances. Your job might be gone. It might be some pandemic. It might be some financial struggle. It might be some relational problem. It could be the doctor's visit. And you step back and you go, God, why are you doing this to me? And so notice what Simeon says. He says, sovereign Lord, God sees things that I don't see. Do we all understand that? God sees from a different perspective that I don't see. I mean, just in a small sense, see little guy over here. Uh, you, you ever looked at your kids and, and, and you're like, this is kind of the way I, I operate as a dad. I, you know, when I, when I see my kids uh, headed to a train wreck now that I have an iPhone, I'm gonna go ahead and take a picture of it. Just wanna remind them. I mean, haven't we all looked at our kids and they begin to talk to us about how much they know, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? How much they know and what they're gonna do and you're just kinda like, good luck with that? And if we think that, when we look at our kids from time to time and we're like, yeah, you wait, wait until that fails for you, or wait until that struggles, or it's not all their fault. Sometimes you gotta acknowledge it's your fault. If we understand a little bit of that, how about the God who created the universe? What did God say through Isaiah the prophet? He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways declares the Lord. He says, as far as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my thoughts above yours. So if we can look down on our child or grandchild and we think we know so much more we can see things way before they see it why because we've experienced the failures take that and multiply that by infinite infinity god knows so much more than us god sees so many generations in the front and in front of us and so many generations behind us everything he does just requires and needs for us to step back and say you are the sovereign lord You are God and I am not. And that's what he says. He said, sovereign Lord, master. He says, I'm the servant. Just as you have promised. Verse 29. Just as you have promised. You may now. Everybody say now. So here's a man who's been present. And now he's talking about now. He's been present. Now the now has showed up. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. Now when we come to that word dismiss what do you typically think of just go ahead and blurt it out when you say you may now dismiss your servant in peace what do you think that's a euphemism for he's dead right and that what we can think is that man i've been here i've been here i've been here i'm here god you've showed up now you can dismiss your servant in peace and and that is one way to read it The other way to read it is, God, I've been holding on, I've been holding on, I've been holding on. Man, now, and what does it mean that he was holding on? He was constantly preaching about the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy in the child that would come. And that's probably what he had been preaching. So, it may be a euphemism that means, I I can die now. You promised that I could stick around and serve until I saw the Lord's Messiah. Now that I've seen the Lord's Messiah, you can take me home in peace, or you can say, God, I can change the sermon. I've been preaching one sermon, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, now he's got to get a second sermon, right? Now he's got to go home and study. I can go home and I can study. I got to sec- get a second sermon. His whole sermon has been preaching and talking about the consolation of Israel, the time and the season when God would show up and fulfill Micah chapter 5, Isaiah chapter 9, and all the other Old Testament prophecies. They're in that place in Bethlehem, and all of a sudden he is looking into Mary and Joseph's eyes. He's probably heard a little bit of the story. When they showed up, I will promise you, the virgin who gave birth, he knew about it, right? And as he thinks through the fulfillment, then the child shows up, And he says, Lord, this is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies that you have delivered to us. And I love this. And he says, now. The guy who's always been in the present, now he's there. And it's interesting, in the original language, that word now is in the emphatic sense. He goes, now. And right now, as he looks into the eyes of Jesus, as he sees that child, as he notices Mary and Joseph, he says, right now. Now, it's in the emphatic sense. Now, you can dismiss your servant in peace. Now, we're not told that he fell over and died right there. But what he knew is, man, it is time to drop the mic. God has said, boom. Everything God had promised for for, for eternity past was fulfilled in that moment, in that season. Why can he say he can drop the mic now? Look at it in verse 30. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Look at verse 32. Light for revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of the people of Israel. Now, he says, I've seen salvation. That's what he's been longing for. Men, when we show up and we are faithful, present, moment after moment, day after day, when we are righteous and not self-righteous, when we are standing in the gap, when we are filled with the Spirit and God shows up, the one thing that we want to see is salvation for people it's salvation for people let me just tell you if you come into church if I come into church if we show up into church and our one concern is are they going to play the songs I like we have missed the point how many of you understand if that's all we see let me tell you what when we are present devout righteous not self-righteous men and we show up and we serve and we're where God wants us to be and we are led by the spirit we are looking for Jesus do we understand that And when we see Jesus, the next thing we want to see is salvation of people. And notice what it says to the Gentiles. Hey, FYI, that's y'all. Online, that's y'all. That's me. How many of you are grateful that a man named Simeon kept joy alive until he held in his hands God's own son? And in that moment, Simeon cared more about you and me as a Gentile than he did about the fact that he'd been waiting and serving and waiting and serving year after year after year. Why? Because it was salvation for us. You and I, when we show up to these Christmas Eve services in a couple of days, my prayer is that as men, you will walk in here. It doesn't matter what happens in that room. Yeah, we're filled up, kind of. We're pandemic-filled, right? That means we've got a bunch of empty seats, but they tell us we're full. You can delete that. But that's why. And if you walk in there, we don't know what's going to happen, right? But let me tell you what. If you want to be a man of God, if you want to know joy beyond this moment, beyond this season, beyond Christmas, your one call and one desire is let me see Jesus and let others get saved. Let me see Jesus and let others get saved. And notice as we think about this, salvation to the Gentiles and also to the Jews. What the Jews had been waiting for was right there. Now we know in John chapter 1, it says he came to his own, but his own received him not. How many of you remember that passage? When Jesus shows up in our church, guys, don't be one of those people that receives him not. Don't be someone who's self-righteous and not just righteous. And we'll close with this as we think about this. Remember John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld, Simeon held Him. We beheld the glory. The glory is of the only one from the Father. Full of what's the next word? Grace and truth. Guys, we serve a God who is a God of grace. If you're online or if you're in here today and you say, Man, I am anything but Simeon. I haven't been devout. I haven't been led by the Spirit. I haven't stood in the gap. I haven't been faithful. And I haven't been present. We serve a God of grace. It could start today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for a man. A man who was a man's man named Simeon. God, thank you that he was faithful. He was always showing up. He stood in the gap. That he was righteous and he wasn't self-righteous. righteous He was devout, patient, as well as filled with the Spirit. God, let me be that kind of man. Let the men on this Zoom call be that kind of man. Let the men in this room be that kind of man. Let our church, God, be filled with men who are like that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great day. Enjoy life.